The following recording does not belong to us millennials podcasts. Mentally, where are you? Um, I think I'm in a stronger place than I ever than I ever was after the the breakdown, or I like to say the breakthrough. What do you what do you what do you think uh, caused the mental breakdown? Fear, stress, control, being controlled, manipulation. industry they're bringing way more um light to this subject so we wanted to bring some light to it for the millennial side of things right so what are some statistics you found just to start us off all right let's see here wet our whistle a little bit (laughs) (laughs) so i have a resource from uh, nami.org And NAMI is the National Association for Mental Illness. It's an organization that helps us learn more about mental illness and what we can do to be a support for those around us um, and also for ourselves if that's something that we need assistance with. Um, The first fact that I have is 43.8 million adults experience mental illness in a given year. So one in five adults in America experience a mental illness and nearly one in 25 adults in America live with a serious mental illness. And to put a, a yeah, to put a solid number on it, that's 10 million adults and one half of all chronic mental illness begins by the age of 14, three quarters by the age of 24. So you start to have symptoms, you start to show things that will give people a red flag as to why it may why you may need to seek services in your teen years, but I don't think a lot of people get help really until things get bad because they don't know enough about mental health. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about uh, as millennials and why we struggle so much with mental health issues right now. Yeah. And um, speaking to the point of how a lot of people see those signs, but they don't know how to identify them as mental health issues. Um, that resonates with me because my brother was diagnosed as uh, he's a paranoid schizophrenic and he started exhibiting like some behaviors around the age of maybe like about that, like 14 or 15. Um, and then it like, just like as he was 16, 17, then it started getting worse, but we had no idea what mm. it was. Like we just thought, especially at that age, you think someone's just being like a teenager, like rebelling, just everyone's a little weird when they're that age, you know? Mm-hmm. So my parents really didn't know. And like, they tried to do all these things like to be harder on him or more strict or mm-hmm. but they just had no idea that it was that and it wasn't until i think he was like maybe 17 mm-hmm. that my mom was like we're taking you to see somebody like this is crazy mm-hmm. and of course he didn't want to go and then like they're like yeah he's schizophrenic we were like wow but mm. they said you know as long as if he takes his medication mm-hmm. um he'll be okay 
But the, the problem with a lot of people with mental health, specifically people with schizophrenia disorder, is that they don't believe they have a mental illness. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to want to take anything. They think that you're crazy. Actually, they literally think that your their family is crazy. So he thought, he's like, why are you like guys making me take this? It makes me feel weird. I don't need this. So there was a lot of time that he didn't take any medication. Mm-hmm. And like when you don't take medication, when you have like serious illnesses like that, it can get worse and worse and worse. And like, unfortunately, that's what happened to him. And like he takes his medication now, but it's just like so such a long period of time, like years of neglect that, mm-hmm. you know, there's no way to go back. But it's sad because I think... Because at that time, especially what was that, like the late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. there wasn't as much talk about it, like yeah. dialogue about mental illness. So my parents didn't know really what, mm-hmm. like we didn't know how to identify it. And if we could have identified it, maybe it wouldn't Early. have been that like, you know, that wouldn't have been that bad. So. And how old did you say he was? Um, when he first started showing yeah. the behaviors. Um, I think, yeah, it was like 14, 15 because he was always like really extroverted, like fun kid laughing like mm-hmm. skateboard and stuff but then as he started going towards like his teens um or like like late well, through his teens yeah. yeah it just he got like really like a recluse and like wanted to stay home and he would always think people are looking at him and mm-hmm. why is this person looking at me kind of that's the paranoid schizophrenic yeah. and like just it and then but we just thought oh like you know teenagers are so self-conscious because you know he's like always in the mirror but what teenager isn't mm-hmm. but it was like it's hard to tell the difference between just puberty and like yeah someone caring about what people think and like an actual disorder mm-hmm. so that's interesting because here um in the nami um statistics it says that nearly 60 percent oh sorry nearly 50 percent of youth ages 8 to 15 didn't receive mental health services in the previous year. So that means that 50% that were diagnosed did not receive services previous Mm. to that. So that means that it's some type of neglect and discrepancy going on with the actual service, consistent services of mental health and when we say services we're talking about um therapy and some people have therapy some people go to psychiatrists and they have to (laughs) sorry i'm telling her her bracelets are loud (laughs) okay let me take them off (laughs) okay okay so some people go to site that some people have to go to, to the psychiatrist because they have to get med management um, medication for their um, diagnosis like your brother. And then some people just come to therapy because they deal with the stresses of life and they experience anxiety or they may experience depression or um, they may experience loneliness and not on the level of depression a serious depressed depression but just loneliness in trying to figure out life and understand like where they are so um that's kind of we want to hit that because millennials deal with a lot of those things that I just listed the main things are anxiety um and also depression due to um job related issues so, Arabia, do you want to, like, mention maybe, I don't know if you have any personal experience with job and having anxiety. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, I'm sure, like, other millennials, I've experienced anxiety and depression at work. 
Um, so for example, I worked at a school before and then, you know, if you're working with children, that in itself is an experience, but then you can have coworkers that are like, you're not on the same page Mm -hmm. or, you know, you have your way of doing something, they have their way. Mm -hmm. And then it just creates anxiety in the classroom. And then just like the anticipation of the day like starts to like get to you and like eat at you. And like, I've suffered from anxiety since I was like 16. So it's already there. So it just takes like that type of situation to bring it out. But um, like some good things that have come from it is that it's forced me to figure out ways to deal with stress. So like, for example, in the mornings, I would wake up very early and do some yoga just to like relax my body, Mm -hmm. just so that I even know I took the time to do something for myself Mm -hmm. for a minute. And then that just carries through my day. Um, And then, of course, there's nothing wrong with taking like supplements I've never taken medication before for my anxiety, but um, I've discovered holy basil, which is a really good supplement. Um, It's supposed to be prescribed. A lot of people with um, PTSD take it, like if they're weaning, I guess, winding off their medication. But I take it and I notice it has like a nice effect on me. Um, And then there's something else called rosemary I used to take. And then if you suffer more from depression... Um, which I used to a little bit, but not so much. Um, you can take St. John's work, which I know a lot of friends that I have that I didn't even really know had uh, suffered from mental health issues. Like I've been to their house and seen that in their medicine cabinet. So um, yeah, I mean, that's just been my experience is just, I guess I've had it for so many years. Like mm-hmm. I've had anxiety since I was 16. So it's not like a new thing for me. And then mm-hmm. I've had mental illness in my family, like my brother. So it, um I've kind of always kind of tried to be creative with different things that I can do to not want to kill myself at work, literally, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. But how about you? Um, I I deal with anxiety, so that's just, mine is more like if I can't control it, then I get highly anxious. So it's just knowing my thoughts and having to stop and be still. Like, for me, that's the best thing to calm myself because anxiety can just have you all over the place Mm -hmm. literally like if you don't just focus and talk it out like put words to it but um I think it was triggered more so when I worked in a psychiatric facility for children um it was just a very high high stressed environment and I I just couldn't do it I just knew like every time I would have, I would be really anxious before I even got to work on the drive. And then I was having trouble sleeping. Mm. Then I was not eating right. I didn't have time to work out. You know, those. It's amazing how it affects everything. Like it trickles down to other aspects of your life if you don't know what's happening. The holistic approach is just like, it's very important because if you're not eating, then of course you're going to be even more triggered, even more like not focused um so that that's where it affected me the most and I learned a bit more about my anxiety like when I went to grad school um and it helped a lot and it you know I've still been trying to write more like I write as well to help me with my anxiety um but yeah and I haven't dealt with depression before um not on a clinical level um and not really on a a lonely level because I know some people have like really deep moments of like loneliness. Um, but I would just say 
maybe just not knowing what I'm doing. You know, just that feeling of like, Mm. what is going on? Like, why am I not being disciplined here? Mm. So that's, that's just a space for me that I think every day I work on. And I think as millennials, we all work to figure things out. Like, we're always trying to figure out what's the next step. Who can I talk to? Yeah, and that that makes sense because apparently millennials are at a higher risk for mental health issues than any other generation. And um, there's so many reasons why that can be. Mm -hmm. Um, One that I just thought of just now, which maybe isn't the biggest reason, but I know a lot of us don't have jobs that we have health insurance. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people they would get some type of help for their mental issues or mm-hmm. um but they don't even have the access to it you know mm-hmm. because of the economy that we have like we're trying to come of age in so i know that's one reason mm-hmm. but another big reason um that's from this website big big think smarter faster mm-hmm. and it's an article about millennials and mental health and it touches on like you know social media technology and all of that stuff uh, like with us feeling like we need to be perfectionists mm-hmm. all the time and someone's always watching you and mm-hmm. there's always an opportunity to compare you, what you're doing with what someone else is doing or what you're eating or wearing to what, what someone else is, you know. And then that creates such a like, whew, it's like an mm-hmm. icky environment. Like how can you really reach your full potential and feel fully happy unless you find a way to balance all of that? Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that that is a reason why our generation is like the most depressed and anxious, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and the definition of perfectionism they have listed here is a combination of excessively high personal standards and overly critical self-evaluations. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't simple perfectionism with millennials, but it's a multi-dimensional perfectionism. And this is something that they tested. Um, the multidimensional perfectionism is when young adults feel pressure to measure up to an ever-growing number of criteria. So they're trying to strive to reach all of these like impossible standards. And because of that, it increases their risk of anxiety, depression, eating disorders, and also suicidal ideation, which is the thought of harming oneself. Yeah. And um, I don't know if anybody's ever seen this movie called Ingrid Goes West. You need to watch it. It's on Hulu I if you guys like have you it. told me about that. I just watched it on the plane back from New York on the plane. And really? it literally talks about what we're talking about. Really? It's so good. And I had a friend of mine watch it. My husband watched it. I watched it. And so it's literally, ooh, I don't want, I'm not going to spoil the end for anybody, but basically it's talking about, it's a girl who has mental health issues Mm -hmm. and she's just like, all she's doing is just scrolling through Instagram. It's with Aubrey Plaza from Mm. Parks and Recreation. Oh, okay. So so it's kind of a comedy, but it's dark. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And like, she's just scrolling through Instagram and like, she gets obsessed with these people so quick and it literally affects her mental health to the point where she needs to go into a hospital. And then when she comes out, she's basically still not prepared to go back on online. And it just shows, and then like, you know, it's just wild. I don't want to spoil the ending, but yeah. it it just really shows, oh my goodness, like what we're doing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, like if we're, you know, if you're someone of relatively good mental health 
and like you even look at maybe an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend's profile and you're like ugh or you look at like someone and you're like dang like I wish I was on vacation mm-hmm. can you imagine someone who's struggling mentally mm-hmm. and would they see that what that does to their brain you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah so I just feel really bad and I think yeah. that it's, it's definitely <laughs> something that we as millennials need to really take note of personally and collectively because you know as we get older the effects of it is they're going to show Mm -hmm. and we don't know how it's going to show right now because they're still studying it in the effects of social media um and screen time yeah it's still very new baby stage (laughs) um but i just think that you know so many so many people deal with the self-esteem and the doubt of am I good enough am I worth Mm -hmm. this because I'm not I don't look like her I don't look like him um and I I have these unrealistic expectations so I just think that we you know we have to be aware of these things guys so we also wanted to talk a little bit about therapy and our own personal experiences and then just I guess a little bit about millennials general idea of it but um first ebony did you want to just speak a little bit to your experience with therapy you being a therapist yourself and then also going yourself too oh yeah um definitely i think it's really interesting to be a therapist um and then going to therapy because you you pay more attention to, to things that the average person doesn't um so having a therapist that really can challenge you is is important um now for me personally that's important I don't know about other therapists um but therapists do have therapists so for everybody who did not think that (laughs) we also um have to talk about our our stuff and then it's things that we hear that the average person does not hear and does not experience and it can weigh on you if you don't um, take the right measures to have self-care. So a therapy has been very like enlightening for me. Um, I started back when I was in grad school. So that was about uh, four years ago. And they made us go to therapy um, while we were in th- in school. So I I did three years, and previous to that I hadn't I hadn't been. But it's it is one thing that helped me learn my patterns as a person, and also just go a little bit more into my my wounds and the things that have hurt me, and help made me like develop a certain way of thinking. It was really positive, understanding my thoughts, and then also just learning and having patience with other people and how they process, because processing that word didn't become something that I used until I went to therapy. Mm. Um, but I, I do think that everybody should should try therapy. I mean, it may not be for everybody, but just know that if you do decide be ready for a journey because it definitely is that. <laughs> it will teach you some things that you did not know about yourself. <laughs> so what about you, Arabia? I know that um, you, you've been to a therapist too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had only two sessions 
I wish that I had more, <laughs> mm-hmm. if I had more money, because I think therapy is amazing. And I don't think people should be embarrassed. It's like a privilege. Like it is. I would love for anybody to just like hear my life and give me objective criticism and advice and like be able to like see through like what I'm saying to help me. Like mm-hmm. I would pay any amount of money for that. But um, yeah, so I went, I had two sessions. The first one was not good. <laughs> um, and the second one was like amazing. So it definitely depends on you have to vibe with the yeah, therapist. With the therapist yeah. So the first one was like this younger guy. And um, he was just asking me a lot of questions. And I know the first session is supposed to be more of them getting to know you and stuff. But yeah. I just didn't like his demeanor. And I told him, like, a personal story, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and therapists aren't supposed to re- react, right? Like, you're not supposed to, like, make a face or something? Is there- Well, I mean, sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> we sometimes we can't, can't help it. We, we still human, so we might make a face or do something. But if... It's like if we do, then we should explain it. We shouldn't just yeah. make the face, and then, and then the the client is like, "Oh, yeah. what is that face?" Yeah, yeah. I literally said those words. <laughs> I did because I was in a vulnerable place. So I basically told them a story. I'm not gonna tell the story. But I told a story about a friend that had like punched me once, like out of nowhere, and I was like, "Oh, like I don't even know why that came out," but I was like, "Oh, this happened. I, I don't know why." And then and then he was like. Like, he just made, like, the... I wish y'all could see He made face. a wild face. He was just like, mm. And then he even said, he was like, mm. And then he kept writing. And then I was like, oh. I was like, why'd you say, mm? I was like, wait. I was like, it's crazy, right? Like, it's crazy. Like, you were trying to get that. some and type he, of, like... And then he was like, continue. Like, don't get off. <laughs> don't get off the train. But I just didn't like him. But then the next lady I had was, like, this older lady. And she mm-hmm. was from New York. And she was, like, a writer, too, like me. And she oh. was, like, so motherly. And she was like, everybody has anxiety. She was like... She just had, like, I don't know, when you connect with someone and they just make it seem so simple. Mm. And they just say, like, the simplest things that just change your life. Like, it just be one thing. Like, one thing that she... Yeah, like, one thing she said to me that, I mean, what does she know? But, hey, it helped me. Yeah. She was like, she was like, God doesn't hate you. Mm. And then I was just like, can you please say that one more time? (laughs) And then she said it again and I was like... And, you know, what does she know? But it was just, like, sometimes they say these things that are so simple. And, um, like, I was having a problem with a friend that I didn't want to see. So I was having, like, anxiety about seeing them at this huge, like, event, like a wedding. And she was like, why don't you just not say hi to that person? And I was like, oh, like, I just didn't realize that that was an option. She was like, if you're not ready, just. And I'm like, well, what if she comes up to me? Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm, like, picturing the earth exploding, like. I don't know. <laughs> and she's like, just kindly say, good to see you, but I'd rather not talk to you right now. Mm. And she's like, I'm sure there's going to be other people there, right? It's a mm. wedding. Your husband will be there, your family. Great. And I was like, oh my God, this is like such a... Sometimes you just need an outlook. You need to you get do. out of your own world. Out of your own head. To just get someone to like talk to you, you know, simply. So I agree with you. I had a therapist. My last therapist... Well, no, my second to last therapist, I cried because she helped me so much. Mm-hmm. She helped me with so many things. Like, and I was just... I didn't want to stop, but I had to because she was moving. So... I mean, man, you do make connections with people. And when you find a good therapist, you know. Yeah. When you find <laughs> you a good know. therapist. So if you don't like therapy, I always say then you didn't find the right person, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. But 
everybody's different. Some people don't trust it. Um, oh, and that just reminded me too of a statistic talking about um, what was it with like a lot of like black people or people of colored are less likely to oh less likely to um, go to therapy. Go to therapy. Yeah, yeah. We are less like less likely to actually follow through and go. Yeah, and then it was like what was it. I don't know if this was the statistics for people suffering from mental health or people getting help. Remember, Just getting help. It said that uh, it was like the first one was, uh, was it um, Indian, Indian Americans or Native? And then second was white American. And then oh. third was black in the order of people getting help for mental health. Or oh, you, like you're that. talking about the statistic from NAMI when it was talking about how many, the the multicultural aspect, like black people being affected by mental health this much percent. So I'm pulling it up right now. So um, let's see. Yeah, so NAMI has their um, resource on their website, NAMI.org, everybody. And they talk about the prevalence of adult mental illness by race. So 16.3% Hispanic adults living with a mental health condition, 19.3% white adults living with a mental health condition, 18.6% of black adults living with a mental health condition, 13.9%, which is the lowest out of all, of Asian adults living with a mental health condition, and the highest, which is 28.3% of American Indian slash Alaska Native living with a mental health condition, and those are adults as well. And those numbers are, to me, are really big. Like 18.6% of black adults, you said, like referencing back to what you said, um, I'm wondering if, you know, if those adults got help, then would that number decrease? Mm. Or, Or... with just something changed, you know. I'm wondering. That's just just me speculating. But mm. the 28.3 percent that's that's really high. It's really really high. But you can only imagine the other things that go into why these numbers can be high or can be lower. Yeah. So everybody has to take that into account too. Yeah, there's everybody's got different um, economic situations that Mm -hmm. that will contribute to mental health Mm -hmm. and then i also see this statistic too says about the lgbtq community that um they're two times more likely than a straight individual to have a mental health condition and Mm -hmm. what is this 11 percent of of transgender individuals individuals reported being denied care Mm, by mental health clinics due to bias or or discrimination discrimination. that's horrible that's horrific nobody should be denied treatment because if you had a broken arm people wouldn't say okay are you gay or straight or black or white they they would try to fix it so i think that that's disgusting to hear Mm -hmm. but um yeah Mm-mm. Okay, and and these are some of the critical issues that we just said that um, that why these numbers may be so high. Um, it could be less access to treatment, less likely to receive treatment, like we said with Black Americans, poor quality of care, mm-hmm. higher levels of stigma, culturally insensitive healthcare system, not knowing how to treat those. Mm-hmm. Um, that come in racism, bias, homophobia, or discrimination in treatment settings, like we just said, with um, what was that transgender individuals, language barriers, 
and lower rates of health insurance. So people not being able to afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's crazy. So I think there just needs to be a lot more open dialogue too about mental health in general. And I think that um, celebrities being more vocal about their issues can help. Like I know, for example, Lena Dunham, who I know a lot of people kind of hate her right now. I'm not sure. Some people think she's racist. I don't know what my position is. But basically, she suffers from anxiety. And so she said something once about um, exercise being a really good tool. And she was saying, like, it's not about, like, you know, basically, in other words, the weight you lose, but it's about your brain. Mm -hmm. Like, because I had always, people had always told me, oh, exercise is so good for anxiety, but I'm, like, 96 pounds, so I'm always worried about losing weight or, like, fatigue. Mm -hmm. But I realized, you know, there's different types of exercise. There's yoga, there's, like, going for a walk, like, Mm -hmm. stretching, lifting weights, things that are, like, slower, um, that still help your mind and clear your mind and settle anxiety. So I'm thankful for her talking about that and then um i also know selena gomez i think she's suffered from depression and then like we know the show 13 reasons why she's the executive producer Mm -hmm. and that show if you haven't seen it is a great show i know a lot of parents like hate that show because they think it's like too graphic um for teenagers or like the topics are too heavy but i feel like it needs to yeah it's real life and it's good for the kids to see what that type of behavior leads to. It could lead to a suicide or mm-hmm. someone wanting to go shoot up a school or God knows what. And because so, a lot of the millennials dealt with that stuff yeah. in high school. Mm-hmm. And some of some people experienced that. Yeah. Many, many people. I had people in high school somewhere. It was like normal. It's sad that it becomes normal. Like there was this girl. Dang, I forget what her name was, but she killed herself. And she was, like, really popular. So I remember, mm, like, when we went wow. to the concerts, they did, like, a benefit show. And it was, like, a band I liked that went. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, it's lit. Mm-hmm. Like, not really thinking about the background yeah. of it. And, like, like you like you didn't know. Yeah, like, it's just like, oh, it's you. a benefit. Like, for, oh, this girl who died. You know? But yeah. it's just, like, now that I'm older, I'm like, man, this is way too common. Like, yeah. these things. Yeah. But um, So you have um, some different celebrities. Yeah, so we just wanted to throw out some celebrities since I think they're the ones who are kind of like just putting stuff in a spotlight um, based off their platform. Um, Justin Bieber, he talked about his depression and just how like being famous negatively affects him. You want to say that? What's a quote um, there? His quote is, I'm struggling just to get through the days. I think a lot of people are. This life can rip you apart. Mm. I get depressed all the time and I feel isolated. You're in the hotel, you're in your hotel room and there are fans all around, paparazzi following you everywhere and it gets intense. When you can't go anywhere or do anything alone, you get depressed. I would not wish this upon anyone. Mm. Now that's, he went straight to the point on that one. Um, (laughs) But I believe that most uh, celebrities talk about that that kind of paranoid feeling mm-hmm. of not being able to go out and having the isolation and not trusting people. Um, Amanda Seafried, um, she was on Mean Girls. Yeah, she's the one who, wait, what's her famous quote? In oh, when Girls? she was talking about how she could tell the weather, the weather by, her by her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> she talks about receiving therapy for her anxiety. Kristen Stewart. Um, talks about her anxiety and how she receives services. She says that it was um, really debilitating. Um, and she isolated herself as well while when dealing with that. Um, and one more. There was, wait, keep 
going. Oh, 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 okay. I forget. Keep going. Keep going. Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman, yeah. I mean, she's not a millennial, but she's always been really open about her depression and just describing having it at the age of nine and saying she felt alone in her own body, like in her own mind. Um, and I was just like, wow, that's really intense. That was it. I guess that's it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, and everybody knows Demi Lovato talked about her. Um, her It was a eating disorder. Mm. Um, so. Oh, and Beyonce. Beyonce, that's the one I was looking for. Oh, yes. Beyonce talked about just her having thoughts um, and not feeling okay. And she just, I think, sounds like she said it, it was beginning to get fuzzy. I couldn't even tell which day or which city I was at. Wow. I would sit there at ceremonies and they would give me an award and I was just thinking about the next performance. My mother was very persistent and she kept saying that I had to take care of my mental health. So that's really powerful though. Um, just seeing these people who are in the spotlight, how they they are normal and are human and they're not immune to it. And they're not immune to it and nobody is. Um, so that is the end of our podcast today, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just say, you know, everybody use your resources, put it in the Google search bar, mental health um, resources or therapists. Was it therapist.com to find therapists in your area to see what kind of insurance they take or if they have payment plans? Um, they have options. So let's take care of ourselves in do the self-care and the work that we need to do to be better yeah and also just be more open with your friends because I had so many friends I known for years and then I talked to them and I realized like they're like oh I have anxiety or I have depression or my brother or sister has this and Mm -hmm. it's like wow if I had known this years ago that would have been so nice to have someone to talk to like about that yeah so resources yeah use your community people are resources Yeah. yeah so just I don't know. Just everybody should just be more open about it. You don't need to be a crazy, like lunatic to go to therapy. Um, well, we want to. It be doesn't make you insane. conscious about those words. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <gasps> I didn't mean to be yeah. offensive. <laughs> you don't need to be. <laughs> you don't have. To you don't have, have to have serious. a disorder. Yes, a wild. Yes. I mean, I'm still talking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have uh, to. Have, <laughs> you don't have to have a serious mental wild. health diagnosis. <laughs> You don't have to have a diagnosis at all. Right, exactly. You could just be like, hey, I need someone to talk to me. I'll pay for it and go. Yeah. (laughs) And just go. Get up and go. (laughs) It's your time. But we need to tell people where to reach us. So you can reach us on Instagram. And you can email us through our Instagram as well. It's 